Hey, this is Ev with the Bluff Council. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode on Lilies of the Field. If you like what you're hearing, please consider subscribing to our Spotify and our YouTube channel. Thanks again. This episode has been a point of much contention uh, between Keith and I for some time. Almost broke up the show. <laughs> yeah, still might. <laughs> still might. There's still time. But uh, it is just about my birthday. So this is, this is a birthday present to myself, also from Keith. Also from me. What, what the f*** are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? This movie is from 1963? Correct? Correct? Yes, it's in, correct. Correct. It's in black and white? Mm-hmm. Correct? And it stars Sidney Portier. Correct? Portier. Portier. Yeah. All of those things, we have horrible track records for in terms of viewership. Our core fans do not give a about this film. They don't care. That has nothing to do with it being good. That has nothing to do with being well performed. It has nothing to do with the historical context that this film has within cinema and our society. Just, they don't give a and therefore, this is a waste of everyone's time. A, Keith speaks as though anyone watches any of our shows. <laughs> and B, shouldn't it be our job to be sharing interesting new films with our loyal, lovely viewership? Movies that they might not be super aware of that don't come immediately to consciousness, to recollection, um, as, as filmmakers ourselves who are hopefully knowledgeable and, and cultured and experienced in the cinematic arts, maybe once in a while, maybe once every f***ing 30 episodes, we can throw out a little broccoli with, with the dinner. <laughs> it's not just steak and ice cream around here. Sounds f***ing great. <laughs> I, you're right. I'm saying I'm in mature mode now, so I'm ready to. I'm ready okay. to come. I got the glasses on. I got the jacket. I'm. I'm ready. I'm ready. You look to be. really professional. What you guys can't see, and what I swear to God is true, is Keith is wearing sweat shorts, not sweat pants. That is sweat shorts. That is personal information that I, <laughs> I would wish to I be private. All right, Keith. So, your reservations aside, we're talking about lilies of the field. 1963 film starring Sidney Poitier about a, uh, a young man traveling through the deserts of Southwest America. Um, as you tend to do. <laughs> yeah, as one does. <laughs> and somewhere in Arizona, he stumbles upon a farm where he meets uh, a, a, a head nun and her four lower nuns. <laughs> I believe <laughs> that's the- technical... Other nuns, yeah, yeah. Very nuns, religious mother, here at the Bluff Council. Mother nuns and daughter nuns. I'm yeah, I'm we're Catholic, practicing <laughs> Catholics. Um, <laughs> but uh, and about the relationship that they strike up with one another, and uh, and what and what results from that. So what I always want to, because because you are not the first good friend of mine that I've made watch this film, <laughs> and I know that 
no one, including you, and including anyone who might be watching this who hasn't seen this film um, or hadn't heard of it prior to us doing this, no one's go, no one's hearing the synopsis or reading the little bit on IMDb and going like, yep, can't wait to watch that. Black and white, 1963, probably doesn't have anyone that you've heard of if you're, if you're, you know, a, a, a casual a, film fan. Yeah, casual movie watcher. And it's about a, a, a black guy that, that helps some nuns in the desert. Got the scoot, he has sent me a big, strong man. It's not making you, you know, jump to your feet yeah. uh, to watch that. So, what did like what what were your thoughts going in, and then what were your expectations, and what did you think when I would rave about this film? I want all the background. I want you to fill it all in for me. Well, I I watched this film with a loaded gun in my mouth, just <laughs> waiting and just kind of waiting. That's yeah. what I thought going in. I, 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 was, I, I just thought, like, I can't wait for this to be over before I started it. Go, like, going yeah. in, I was like, this is going to suck. And then I was so pleasantly surprised when it was an hour and 30 minutes. Because <laughs> every film that I didn't want to watch going into, that you force me, force feed me my broccoli, it's seven hours long. It's seven hours. So I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting at home. I let my wife go to sleep and I'm like, I'm gonna be up till 6 a.m. watching some black and white. Anyway, so I did not have high hopes. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was aware of the cultural significance. Uh, I'm aware of Sidney Poitier's place in all of cinema and his Oscar win for this performance. That I was aware of going in. So uh, I, I, I was this much willing to give it a chance. To, to see. That's that's where I was going in. What were your other questions? Did you have other questions? Do you want me to just tell you yeah, how I felt about what, it? What did you expect? Because I, I do think, and I fall I, I, I fall prey to this too. I, I fall victim to this too, where I think that there is a, a general expectation or perception of older films that even if they're good, they're going to be kind of boring and Yes. And I think that that's probably only getting worse with younger generations today. 100%. Where it's like, oh, was that movie made in the 70s or before? It's probably weird, you know, and it's probably <laughs> slow and boring. And I, as, as someone who, who considers themselves like, like a student of, of cinema and someone who loves to watch classic films and who grew up watching classic movies and have a, I have a real tolerance and an enjoyment for those... Um, you know, like I only recently watched Casablanca for the first time a year or two ago. And even that movie, I was like, I have to be in the mood. I know it's an all-time great movie, maybe the best movie of all time, but I need to like be in the mood to watch this black and white movie. It's probably going to be boring. But it's like it's an amazing movie. <laughs> like it was it's good no matter when you watch it, Casablanca. And I feel like it's easy to get to forget that, and I think that most people that I've I forced to watch Lilies of the Field end up being like, holy sh**, sorry, you know. Swear jar. Whoa. Uh, (laughs) 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 This movie's really good. It's enjoyable and it's good. And so I always, I I wanted to know how much you were dreading it and how that, how did, what happened? Tell me what you thought. (laughs) I was, I could not be dreading it more. So we'll just, safe to say, that after watching it, it was better than I thought. Like I I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, 
But I, I but the, the hardest thing for me is, is, is at what point can, is it just, is it not apples to apples anymore? Because I think about, honestly, you know what I thought about the entire part of this film, uh, the watching this, this film? I thought about like Wilt Chamberlain. And I thought about, <laughs> I thought about Bill Russell. And because I can talk about old basketball because no one's watching this episode anyway, as we, we've, <laughs> we've, we've clearly stated. But that's honestly what I thought. When, when I think about Wilt Chamberlain averaging 50 points a game for an entire season, scoring over 70 points a, uh, in a game three or four times in a season, you, 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 you just think about the difference in how the game was played and how certain people were just so far above the level of that the general public at that, at that time. It's just so hard to contextualize what was, what was good then is being good now. Like, what would Wilt Chamberlain be in today's NBA? And how do you rank that? Like, how is that even comparable? And is it, is it at this point? That's what I kept thinking. Can you even compare Lilies of the Field and its story structure and its pacing and, and its performances? Like, can you? Do you have the ability to compare that to a similar type of film that is made today? And I don't know if you can. Like, I, I don't know if it's even plausible to compare the two. So it's, well, yeah, it's, but why, why is that your instinct? Like, why is that where you're starting? Because I don't wanting to compare it. Because you're, I, I feel like the, the the question is like, did you like it? How did you feel about it? What did you think of the film? And yeah. I honestly don't know how to ex, like I don't know how to judge it, because how I do, how am I supposed to judge it because of how different film films are today and how how things are presented today, how things are shot today. Like, what credit do you give a film? that might have been groundbreaking in the 60s that is rudimentary to today. Because I could argue the directing is very rudimentary. There's nothing special about the directing of, of this film. I don't think there's anything special. But at the time, I'm sure a lot of those things were, were, were maybe groundbreaking. We're like, oh wow, this is the cutting edge of things. You know, just even just the general lifestyle, the, the, the general, uh, understanding of how characters interact in that world. It's like a different world. I don't know. I just, I just, it, it seems very hard to me to accurately judge it. Maybe I'm not making sense. Well, I just don't, I don't know why that's where you're going. It's like, it's like, I know you're not intentionally probably, but it's almost like you're avoiding the question. Like it don't, you don't have to compare it. Did you like the movie? Did you watch the movie and enjoy it? Or did you not really enjoy it? Or were you just kind of, Meh. I was kind of meh. I was kind of meh. I could, there were certain parts that, that I liked, but as a whole, the, I mean, because this is where I'm going with it, like as a whole, I, I'm like, I'm never going to watch that film again. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm never, I'm never going to watch it again. And that, again, I, I don't think it's bad. I'm not saying it is a bad film. I would never, I would never say that. But that's what I think is unfair. It's not, I don't think it's a super enjoyable film by today's standards because I only, I'm just so accustomed to and drilled into my head of how today is. And you talk about those like slow burns, you know, this is just like a really slow developing story. Like this is like a story time. Like someone's reading me a book. Yeah, it's kind of like a fable. 
Yeah, it's, it's that's, not even a burn. It's not. A, it's a, it's slow, but it's not a slow burn. You know. Yeah, but it's like it's yeah. It's just like it's it. So it's like, how do you judge that? How do I active accurately be be say like, yeah, I really liked it because I did. I didn't really like it. But okay, so I, I I referenced Casablanca earlier. Like, do you ever watch older films now that you really like? Honestly, like Hitchcock stuff is the only stuff that I that I watch and I enjoy to a level where I might watch that film again. I don't watch too I don't watch too much of it, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a dick. Like I'm not trying to be funny no, 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 in, know, in any in any in any way. But I'm just, I'm, I'm not trying to press you to, to, to fight to fight. I'm like genuinely curious. Do you, like, I, then how far back does that go, right? Because I know you love Ghostbusters and you like a lot of movies from the early 80s because yes. that was, you know, your generation. But then how far back does it go before you're like, now it feels like an old movie and I know the 60s. I can't. The to 60s, me, really? To, to me, it's the, it's the 60s. The, the 70s and above feels like there's more of a shift in, in, in filmmaking and storytelling, and how how content and film is and cinema is digested, what viewers mm. are starting to learn to expect. I, I still think the the 40s and the 50s they're still sort of figuring it out. Little things are 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 monumental steps. But now that we take for granted, there's so much in those in those types of films. And I'm grossly generalizing here, but then we just take for granted. General audiences today in the 2020s probably just take for granted when you don't realize how difficult it was to get that tracking shot. You know, that, yeah. they, the, like that, that, that sort of, or just people had general patience. People are gonna say, I'm gonna go for an hour and a half, I'm gonna go for two hours, and you have my undivided attention, and I'm just gonna live and breathe and enjoy being in this space. Well, that's what it should be regardless of But it's not, but it's not. But it's, it n- but it's, but it's not. Like, right now, the, you, you, get, you get three pages. You know, you get the first four pages in a, in a script to be like, hook me, hook me. Yeah. Tell me well, why I'm I need never, to care. Yeah. Who do I need to... But that, that's, you're in the minority on that. That's how yeah, general... Because, because I, I read books. Well, stop doing that. <laughs> stop, stop doing that. That's useless. Because I'm smart and I, and I believe in the value of, of living in the present and not, and not being obsessed with, with uh, what's happening in your cell phone at all, at all given moments. But majority of people are, are not. They're gonna turn on Netflix, they're gonna give you three minutes, and then they're gonna be like, this is stupid, boring, like what's happening? Why, why where's the conflict? Like you need conflict. Yeah, but you don't, no, we're not, don't, don't create art for those people. Like as an artist, and I, and I mean this seriously, is, is, is no artist, not just film or, 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 or television writers or directors or whatever, like you shouldn't be making art for the lowest common denominator in society. I like, think that's HBO Max's business model. <laughs> I don't. That's Warner a, Brothers, your old friends at Warner Brothers. Yeah, those motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> sorry. I know, I know. We're gonna be beeping. We're yeah, gonna beep. We're gonna beep. We're gonna beep. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, you, let's. You love this film. It's now one of your top, you know, films. You're in your favorite. Oh films. yeah, we didn't even reference. We didn't reference. This is one of Everett's new favorite films. I don't want to be a dick about it. I don't want. Yeah, I'm not worried to worry about it. You know, don't worry I, about so it. let's talk about the positive things because there are plenty of positive things to talk about. I do like a handful of things about this about this film. It made me laugh. Uh, you know, I, I'll get into it. I want to hear about the things that you love from this film. Tell me why it is in your top ten favorite films of all time. It's uh, it's my new number nine, I believe. I believe I'm subbing out. Guess who's coming to dinner for this one? Yes. Because I do think this is my favorite. Sidney Poitier film. Yeah. And 
It's in my favorite films because I watched it obsessively as a child. It was one that was placed in front of me, and I became such a huge fan, fan of Sidney Poitier, which, as I think I said in the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner episode, that widely popular episode of ours. It's our uh, least, least popular. <laughs> um, he's my favorite actor. He's my favorite actor of all time. Watching him as a child made me want to become an actor myself. I, I just, I was, I was completely obsessed uh, with him and, and his roles. What did they call you up there? They call me Mr. Tibbs. And uh, I think his, his four most memorable popular roles were all in the 60s. And so I watched a ton of, of, of movies from those years. Um, I loved this movie because I think even as a kid, I think it, it, it excels almost in spite of its limitations, limitations perceived or actual. Which, and what I mean by that is its limitations in the form of it being a very small independent film it was, I don't think it was, you know, you're talking about comparing it to uh, movies today. I don't think it was revelatory in any real way other than Sidney Poitier's performance and subsequent win for the Academy Award for the first uh, black actor to do so. Um, but it was such a small film and going into it, even as a kid, being five or six or whatever, watching it and thinking like, I'm not going to like this. This isn't black and white. I'm not going to like this. It's boring. I'm not going to like this. It's got nuns. And cut that out. But because it's so charming and and funny and and genuinely good, I think it really starts to open up about halfway through where you're like, oh, this is actually like it becomes, I think, really funny. I think um, I think as soon as I mean, you know, I love the Mexicans. Senor, we have come to help you. Like as soon as as, as the Mexicans just, show just up, just generally, I think, in, just generally. Yeah, no, I that's a great Mexican. statement. Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Mexicans. Uh, but you know, me- me- uh, Mexican culture was a big part of my youth. Like I visited Mexico two or three times to see family and friends before I was five years old when I was watching this movie obsessively. Hola, hola. Have Mexican? Half my family is Mexican. Like Mexican culture, I just adored. So it's like. To me, it was this great melting pot, which I remember being really aware of as a kid, where you have these white, German, like foreigner, uh, strict nuns, and this kind of laid back, carefree, carefree black dude. Uh, and now you've got these Mexican dudes showing up and, and, and all these cultures coming together. And I just think it's such a, it's so charming and so, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's such an, a simple but beautiful story. And it, 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 there should be something relatable and very touching, I think, to almost anyone who watches it. And I think that's why just about everyone that I've shown this film to really ends up coming away like, you know what? That's actually fun. It's a fun watch. And you have a good time. I don't know. I, la- I did laugh at a few, at a few parts. I did, there, there was a handful of times like I chuckled. I think you're right about the second half. I, I struggled through the first half. The second half of the film, I would say I enjoyed. And I loved the end. I think there are two things that are, that are stand out. I think Sidney Poitier is one of the greatest actors of all time. I, 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 th- I think he is just uh, honestly a, a delight. His, his charm and presence, uh, few people I think have 
what he has. Yeah. So, so you get that. He was my Wilt Chamberlain in that situation. <laughs> like, I was yeah. like, he is just far and away. He's just on another. He's just so much better than everyone, in my opinion, in that time frame. Like, bar none. He's just yeah. at another level. So I, I yeah. think he's a delight. I don't know if I can separate his performance from other performances, because I think he's generally great. Yeah. You know, you, you just get great stuff from him. So I did want to mention that, but what I think, what I, what I enjoyed the most was the writing. Some of the, some of the best lines of dialogue I think I've ever heard wow. could come from this film. I, I won't quote them specific, like exactly, I'll butcher them probably, but I, there was maybe 10 times where I was like, that <laughs> I was like, man, that is, man, that is poignant, succinct, powerful. When the, when the mother said to um, Sidney Portier when he's like pouting that he wanted to build it by himself. God is building out there the chapel. And you sit here feeling sorry for yourself because you are not him. Oh. It's like, man, like the, there's a ton of sharp, wit, witty, con, concise. Like concise is the hardest thing I have a problem with as you're learning in this episode and every other episode. I'm not <laughs> concise. It's so impressive. I thought, I thought some of the sharpest lines of dialogue I've ever heard are in this film. Yeah. Well, I love to hear that. I'll drink to that. Uh, toast. <laughs> For if you're drinking at home, now's the... Yeah, yeah, now's the time. Now's the time. I'm get, if you're getting blacked out at home, join the club. <laughs> I get it. I we gotta be ready. We out here I'm drinking coffee and alcohol before every recording from here on. After that monstrosity of an episode that was Jackie Brown, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta keep my energy and my belligerence up high mm. for Keith here. I get you. <laughs> oh, we didn't mention, which we should, I mean, the reason this, the, the most famous and en enduring legacy of this film is that Sidney Poitier was the first black actor to win an Academy Award for this portrayal in 1963. The winner is Sidney Poitier. Well, when my name was called, I had no idea it was gonna happen. I leaped up from my chair, and right there in the aisle, I was saying, I won, I won, I won. So he's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal actor. He won, the film was also nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Mother Maria was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. It was nominated for Best Black and White Cinematography, and it had one other which I didn't write down, I apologize. But a point I wanted to bring up to you, which I didn't realize until just recently, Best Cinematography, for many years, had two awards. They had one for color and one for black and white. And I, I didn't realize that all the way up until 1967. They gave two cinematography awards. I had no idea. Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't realize that until when I, I looked it up myself as well. I was like, oh, they had a specific black and white yeah. award. It's really fascinating. It's really yeah. fascinating, especially all the way up until '67. I mean, that's kind of late. I would yeah. think. But this is but this goes back to my point as like the '70s. I feel like is a is a turning point in cinema. It was. It was. Cause you had the young generation coming in of uh, Francis Ford Coppola and Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and. Uh, uh, Brian De Palma and guys like that who were really shifting the way films could be. I think yeah. the 60s is a really interesting time for film 
actually. Like, there's plenty of great films that came out in the 60s, but it's kind of this nomad's land yeah. between, like, the, the, the really aw shucks of, like, the 40s and 50s. Who could ask for anything more? To, to the 70s, where it was, like, Easy Rider. I said, put a balloon, put a balloon, tang. The 60s is that, like, transition period. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, the 40s and the 50s, that's what it was. The 60s is the time it took for people to kind of figure it out. And then the 70s is when it actually kind of hit. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. Yeah, and then the other thing that I think is really fascinating about this movie, I should probably not be leaning off camera as I speak. And grunting. Um, we'll cut to Keith. We'll cut to Keith for that part. <laughs> um, something that I really think is interesting about this movie is that it's obviously uh, set and made in the early 60s in America, starring a, a black man, but it's not hugely about his race. I mean, almost not at all. Yeah. Like, it's, it's barely referenced, um, and I think that that is pretty amazing. My skin is black. My skin is black. <laughs> I think that it's, it's just a story about people, and at no point did, do the nuns bat an eye that this is a black dude that showed up, or they've been praying for a big strong man, and they don't, it's not even brought up. Yeah. There's no conversation about, it's been hard for me as a, as a black person, and, and the, or the nun being kind of racist. Like, how easy would it have been in that time Super to make easy. Mother Maria kind of a racist? There was one moment in this last rewatch, as I contradict myself, where I, I thought where she, she's being insecure and she's mad, and she starts chastising him to wash his dirty hands and face. Look your hands. Dirty. Go. Wash your dirty hands and face. And I wondered if that was like a kind of veiled racist mm. thing, where she's like, I want to say something that's going to hurt him because I'm embarrassed that he brought me all this food and you know what I mean? And so he, she's like, go wash your dirty skin. And I, and I wondered if that was a, a thing, but I'll, t I'll take it at face value. I mean, yeah, I never thought that before, but now yeah. just in this more like sensitive time, I was like, Oh, maybe that was yeah. Yeah. kind of a dig because she was looking for a way to hurt him. Yeah. But I, I don't really think so. And then there's really only when he goes to meet, uh, Mr. Ashton, the, the, the owner of the business. Obviously, he calls Sidney Poitier boy a couple of times. Hey, boy. And uh, I remember asking my grandma about that. Like, why is, why is he calling him boy? And her explaining to me that that was a racist thing that people did. And then I love, though, that Sidney Poitier then flips it. You understand, boy? I understand. Hey, boy. That's what I was going to say. That was the best part. Like, he, like I love that. I love that, that he called his, like, when he addressed him as boy, like, yeah, it's great. And then there wasn't, like, a big fallout. There wasn't, yeah. like, he kind of, like, took notice, the, the white man, and it was like, all right, he got called out, and then they, he hired him, you know? Like, they, yeah. moved, they moved forward, and he yeah. became a, go a good man or whatever. Yeah. Um, that, guy, that guy, though, that, that kind of racist uh, uh, owner is the writer or the director and the producer of the film. I did not know that. Uncredited. He, he insisted on being uncredited, but he's the, he's the director and the producer. And then also the other moment, which I, I don't remember noticing as much as a kid, but the, 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 the Mexicans call him gringo while they're at the fiesta. 
And as they fall back, he says, Gringo! I don't know if that's a step up or a step down from something else I've been calling on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I laughed out loud at that. I laughed out loud. That was funny. That was, that was funny. Yeah. But, yeah. like, to make that movie in that time and not have it, you know? Like, I, I don't know why I like that so much, but I think that that's really impressive. Because it would have been easy to do. It would have been totally easy to do. I, I love... I love movies. Like I like people being treated like people, no matter what you are. Like I, uh, this is revolutionary, kid. I know, like everybody is a person, and they get treated as people. Like we're all human beings. So it's it's always refreshing to me. Not to say that we shouldn't have films that represent struggle of of race and sex and sexuality, uh, gender, all that sort of stuff. We should have those types of films. But we should also have films where we just treat people like humans and the struggle is not based on who you are. And it's always yeah. refreshing. It's always refreshing to see those films as well. That's interesting. And it makes me think of a show that I, we've, we've talked about that I know you guys watch and that I'm nearing the end of, <clears throat> Monique and I are, are nearing the end of, is uh, Schitt's Creek. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's intentionally what Schitt's Creek is doing. Which is, I think is great. It's the most like progressive imaginary town in the world where everyone is, uh, is uh, uh, you know, half the people are in open relationships and kind of not gender fluid, but sexuality fluid. And there's, you know, there's a, a dozen strapping young gay men in, in, in this small backwoods town and there's gay couples, but no one bats an eye. Yep. Like there's, there's never even been half a second of like these redneck characters like Chris <laughs> Elliott yeah. Being like, hey, two guys aren't supposed to be kissing. It's like everyone just accepts it accepts off it. camera. And that is an interesting thing. It's obviously very intentional. It has to be. I haven't, I haven't read a lot about Schitt's Creek because I'm waiting to finish the, the series to yeah. read all about it and, and watch uh, bonus features. But I think that that is similar vein. Where yeah. it's just like, no, just pretend like it's all fine because... We're saying it's all fine. It's fine. Because yeah. it is all fine. Like, <laughs> 100%. We don't have to dwell. Like, it's, it's counterintuitive to be like, we're all equal and treat everybody the same. But if you see someone that looks different than you, yeah. like, we need to focus on that, you know? Yeah. As a society, hopefully we can continue to move past that because it, it shouldn't be an issue. So let's not make it an issue. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't mean that to be ignorant or sweeping it under the rug, which I feel like it could be easily misconstrued as. But the, the more we make it not a, a source of conflict, the less it will be a source of conflict, in my humble opinion. Yeah, it's fascinating. We're, we're really verging on the edge of getting into some politics here, which I want to, which, because I've had four beers. <laughs> but I'm going to, let's turn it back to the film. All right, quick I think question, 9-11. <laughs> Watch the JFK episode. <laughs> Let's get weird. <laughs> okay, bringing it back uh, to the film. Yeah. I will say, lighthearted moment. I laughed the hardest. I laughed. I laughed at a handful of jokes in the film. What I thought the funniest was, and I just kept chuckling, was it wasn't even a verbal joke. It was a visual joke. They cut to the uh, site of the build for the church. And the the chapel. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of luck, lady. I ain't building no chapel. <laughs> <laughs> they they cut to it, and there's like brick or whatever they're building with it, and there's a big sign that says "Don't touch anything." 
not don't touch the brick. It was just like, don't touch anything. <laughs> I, that I laughed at for a good like two minutes, just chuckled. Yeah. I, th I thought that was, then there was other signs too throughout, but I thought that was very funny. I love that whole bit when Juan shows up and is like, <laughs> knocks the brick down, like you don't want it, step over it, go get another one. <laughs> like, and then, and then as he's like, oh, and then he, he loses control of it. And I love the, you know, like he, he goes over to the guy that's like stomping in the adobe and hands him the bucket and he just picks up the bucket and walks off. And then the woman comes and hands him a jacket and grabs a brick and, and walk, like all that, that whole sec, that whole scene is really, really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. That second half of the movie gets a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something that I've noticed, I think just the last time or two that I've watched it, because again, this is just like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, watched this a thousand times, literally when I was a kid. And then, uh, and then as I've gotten older, it's been more, you know, periodic every few years, I'll put it on. Um, but what I really noticed this time, which I, I think I remember noticing before, but never looking into it, is I really noticed that Juan Acalito, the, the guy who, who's working the bar, I was like, I don't know if that guy's Mexican. <laughs> what do you think he is, Italian? What do you think he is? I don't, I, well. You think he's I white? Looked, I, looked I don't think he's up. white. I believe his last name, his born name, is his, 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 his stage name is Stanley Adams. And if what I saw online is correct, his born name was Stanley Abramowitz. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> wow, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Little, little, little uh, brown face. Let's, let's get offended. But no, I, I, thought, that was, uh, I thought that was really funny. And, and what made me notice it, because I was just looking at him and I was like, he's doing a great job. Like as 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 a, as a half Mexican, I can say like he's doing he's doing a good Mexican, and I I bought it all the I bought it hook hook line and sinker as a kid, but then one of the giveaways as I watched this last time is he goes, oh mamma mia, what am I doing here? <laughs> but I don't know that I've ever heard any Latino say mamma mia. <laughs> I don't know that that's so I thought he was that's Italian. Like, <laughs> that's your tell. That's like in Glorious Bastards when he holds up the three fingers for the whiskey instead of the, the, the wrong three fingers. It's like, oh, slight, slight little difference there. I'll cut this, but I just, you haven't seen Inglorious Bastards? Oh, Keith, what the fuck? I love how he, uh, how he, how he kind of disappears. He runs away for a while. Where does he go? That's a good question. That's what I like to imagine. I like to imagine that he went to California and was just, he went to San Francisco and he's just smoking opium and just like banging hoes. Well, that's what they made. <laughs> that's what they made like it sound like he came back system. in that like Hawaiian shirt or whatever. Yeah, and like he was yeah. clearly hung over. Yeah. He so had like, a little, he needed a little break. He needed, he needed to go sow his wild oats. And they and just don't uh, address it? I thought I missed it. Like, what was he doing? No, he just needed a break. He needed to get away, but his purpose brought him back. But it's like a hiccup in the... Because it is sort of a, a biblical fable, all in yeah. all. Like, I do... It kind of is. And so that's just the point in the story where he has second guesses because Mother, Mother Maria is a little crazy. And he's like, yeah, do it on your own. Goes off, gets his fill of the free life, and he realizes he wants to finish this job, you know? But sure. I, I want to see that movie, which oh. is like basically The Hangover, but for Sidney Poitier in 1963 in San Francisco, which I'm going to tell you, it's probably pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he got into some things. <laughs> Here's, uh, we can cut this completely, but 
This movie, I did also thought brought up a interesting uh, discussion. You believe in God? God is within us. I have a very similar conversation all the time with my mother. Prayer is obviously worthless. People give God credit for a lot. Get cancer and pray away the cancer and see how well that works. Like that's that's not gonna work out. Who gets the credit for, for good deeds? That is God. It's not that we are God, it's that that energy is God. Hey, do atheists go to hell? No. How about people who say they are not religious, but they are spiritual? Straight to hell. I believe in, in, in uh, people. I believe in, in people. That's why when I first started reading about Satanism, I was like, this is making a little bit of sense. God is within us? That makes sense. Stabbing kids? Not every day. <laughs> all in all, I, I know I dodged it in the beginning of the conversation. Because I still do believe it's, it's hard to rank these older films just because I live in a completely different world. But with that said, there's a lot to enjoy from this film. I will say it. There's a lot to be enjoyed from it. I don't think it's a multiple watch thing, but there's a lot to, there's a lot of craft that is going into it and it is worth the watch. It's worth from an educational standpoint from a historical context standpoint, there's a lot of things and a lot of reasons as why you should watch the film. So, Keith Mackery stamp of approval. Speaking of, you know how there's pornography knockoffs of so many major films, parodies? Yeah. Let's see this one. Why?